Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are kneeling in the church of a Caribbean village, seeking the sanctuary it might offer, while slowly, walking down the aisle, carefully steadying each bowed head, is the brute of a man who has come to kill you. Listen now as Escape brings you Les Crutchfield's story, Violent Night. suddenly wide awake it's a trick you learn around the back countries of the Caribbean if you want to stay alive I didn't move I didn't make a sound just stared into the darkness and listened and then it came again somebody was on the veranda I slid off the cot reached for my pistol on the table and stood up. Barefooted, I moved quietly across the room and stopped by the shutters. Senor Grady. Who is it? Pepita. It is Pepita. Pepita? I am come to warn you of terrible danger. Are you alone? Si. All right, wait a second. Quickly. What's wrong? What's the matter? Look. Toward the village, toward Monte Miguel. What? What? Fire. What's burning? The estacion of the police, the Federalista army barrack, other places. It is a revolution, senor. Revolution? Who is it? Who's behind it? Alecran. What? He has come out of the jungle again. One thousand men are following him, and now more from the village. He has guns, trucks, cars, radios. He is called himself governor of the district. Governor? He won't last 48 hours. Everyone say it is revolution all over the country. You must leave your plantation and go quickly. Pepita. You, uh... You think he still remembers? Alacran will never forget. Not ever. Not before one of you is dead. Yeah, maybe you're right. All right, thanks, Pepita. Thanks for everything. Ten minutes later, I lay hidden in a clump of bamboo by the irrigation ditch, 30 yards from my house, watching a convoy of army trucks swing in from the highway and roar up the road toward the plantation. I could have struck out then, run away, but I had to know the odds. 
know whether Alacran was making it personal, whether he still remembered. The trucks skidded to a stop. Men with rifles piled out, circled the house. Spotlights cut through the night, lit up my bungalow, probing at the shutters. But I didn't see him until he stepped into the circle of lights and called out. Mr. O'Grady? Mr. Barry O'Grady? Alacron. You're wasting our time, Mr. O'Grady. You may as well come out. Educated in the States, but as cunning and cruel as the wildest Indian in the bush. Are you afraid of me, Mr. O'Grady? Are you afraid to come out and greet an old friend who has not forgotten you for a minute? Alacron, leader of a revolution, self-styled governor of the district. And he'd taken time out to lead this raid personally. Yes, Pepito was right. He hadn't forgotten. He blasted the bolt off my door with a Tommy gun. And then with a half a dozen of his men, he plunged into the house. It was time to get out. I'd wanted to know the odds, and now I knew them. I didn't have a chance. I ran for nearly two miles, through my coffee groves, along the banks of the ditches, through the patches of bush, before I finally played out. I was beside a narrow road leading back into the hills. I dropped down by the edge of it and tried to get my wind back. Alacron. For two years he'd waited, and now he was coming after me. He'd been trying to start a revolt then. I'd dragged him away from my workmen, taken his gun away from him, and beaten him to a pulp. And now he was back in control of the whole district with a wolf pack at his heels. And then suddenly I... I noticed the headlights of a car coming down the road from the hills. The lights were too close together and too low to the ground for an army truck. There were ranches up in the hills, resorts. It might be a private car. It was worth a chance. I worked feverishly. The car was close now and moving fast. I gathered an armful of brush, threw it into the road, struck a match and set fire to it. And then I dropped down in the ditch and waited. All right, easy now. Don't move. Who are you? What do you want? I want your car. No, it is impossible. Let me go or I'll... Oh, wait. no, you don't. Let go of that. Stop it. Stop it. You're hurting me. Take your hands off. Thanks. Well, that's a lot of gun for a lady. Well, we'll take care of that. You fool. Do you know who I am? No. I am the daughter of the governor of this district. You're what? It's true. I'm the daughter. I'd heard he had a daughter, but who'd ever expect that fat pig to have one that looks like you? I promise you, senor. If you go on with this, I will see that you are shot against a wall. <laughs> You're too late. Your father already has that idea. Or more likely a worse one. Huh. You know, I think you're going to come in awfully handy before morning. If you think you What are do going I call to... you? What's your name? Maria. All right, Maria, let's get this straight. I got one chance in a thousand of staying alive, and if I can help that chance, I'll do anything. You understand? No, please. Now, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get out together, whatever happens. Your father gets me, and I get you. All right, now get the car started. (laughs) 
We came off the side road two miles from Monte Miguel, crossed the main highway and took the old road toward San Vicente. It was 110 miles to the capital, but the sports car was fast. It could outrun any army vehicle Alcatraz's men might have. And there was a good chance he hadn't yet blockaded the San Vicente Highway. Well, it was a good dream. It lasted for two miles. Then it popped like a soap bubble. In the road ahead, senor. Lights, trucks, men moving. What do you want me to do? Brakes, hit the brakes, come on. And get this thing turned around and make it fast. Yenes! Amigos! Vengas! Vengas por acá! All right, come on, step on it. Let's get out of here. Come on. Faster. Well, that was close, plenty close. Well, we're still lucky. We could have barred straight into that. Well, they blocked us, but at least they didn't get us. And we still got a chance of circling back. What? What's wrong? What is it? I don't know. I'm not doing anything to them. Yo, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, I can smell it. A bullet must oh. have smashed up in the gas tank. We, we're out of petrol? Yeah, get it over to the side. All right. No farther. Clear over to the canal bank, the irrigation ditch. Go on. All right. Come on, get out. Come on, hurry. What are we going to do? Here, give me a hand. We're going to get it rolling. Come on. Into the ditch. All right, come on, let's go. Where? What do you mean? They'll be along here any second. Find where we sank the car. Come after us. We don't have much time. Now, come on, let's get across that ditch. In the water? No. I will not do it. I will not go into the water. Oh, you won't, huh? All right. Uh, put me down. Put me down. Stop. Hold your breath. Now, just take it easy. Quit fighting and relax, will you? I'll get you across. It's only 20 feet wide. All right, easy now. All right, here we go. Now, grab the bank. There go. Oh, it takes me all my life. I'm going to kill you. Maybe not. I might have to kill you first. Now, come on. I am not going into that jungle with you. No matter what you do to me, I am not going. Come on, move. Alacron had outmaneuvered me, outflanked me. There was no use trying to break south toward the capital. He had the whole area sewed up. So I decided on a gamble. I turned back, head for the last place on earth he'd look for me. The village of Monte Miguel itself. It was nearly midnight when we entered the village. I kept a tight grip on Maria's arm and hurried her through the back streets and alleys, heading toward Peter's room on the other side of town. Though we didn't make it, a patrol of rebels came around the corner and moved toward us. We couldn't turn and run. We couldn't go on. We were trapped. But we'd stopped in front of a house built flush against the street. The door was only a few feet away. I stepped over and tried it. It was unlocked. I drew my gun and pushed the door open. All right, come on. There's no one in. Inside, quick. What are you going to do? Wait for the patrol to pass. <gasps> now be quiet. 
Here they come. Not a sound, Maria. lucky, in fact. Now the head man here has gone out and left some clothes all ready for me. Oh, pantalones, camisa, sarape, sombrero. Oh, now, if we can find something for you... What do you mean? Well, dress like we are, we don't have a chance. Ah, oh, here. Here, this ought to do it. Catch you. Now, here's a shawl for you. You can throw it over your head and keep it around your face. If you think I am going to change my clothes... Get behind room. that curtain and do it any way you want, but get into that dress and do it fast. I... In a few minutes, we were back into the marketplace, walking rapidly. And then as we passed the great doors of the church, I froze in my tracks. <gasps> Alecron. He was lounging in the back of a touring car, fat and evil. This way. Where? Into the church. If he sees me, we're finished. Slow and solemn now. Yes. All right, up the steps. Keep your head down. Awed, half scared the way the villagers go in. All right. Up toward the front. Hurry. All right, in here. All right, this is far enough. Now kneel down. <laughs> well, we're safe for the moment, but I... Valerie, if you please... Don't move, Maria. Don't cry out. The gun's pressed against your side. Please. Keep your head down and pretend you're praying. Better yet, really pray. listening to Violent Night, tonight's presentation on Escape. Next Monday night on CBS Radio, Ronald Reagan stars in the Lux Radio Theater adaptation of Carbine Williams with Wendell Corey and Gene Hagen in their original screen roles. Next Monday night, when you will also want to hear Tyrone Power in Suspense's production, The Guilty Always Run. And now, Escape and the second act of Violent Night. The padre, white-haired and old, knelt at the altar and went on with his prayer, not hearing the summons from the back of the church. Some of the kneeling villagers turned to look and then turned back quickly. Beneath my serape, I kept the gun pressed tight against Maria's side. Padre! Alecran was walking up the aisle toward the front of the church, moving slowly and deliberately, stopping to glance along each row and study the kneeling worshippers. You cannot come here with arms, my son. This is a place of peace. Oh, and I am a very peaceful man, Padre. 
as long as I'm not denied the things I want. What is it you want? Ma'am, I'm told they have some woman with him. They may have come in here. I will only need a moment more to finish checking your followers. No, I cannot permit that. Padre, you know who I am. Now, we can be friends or we can be enemies, as you choose. Of course, burning a church is not to my liking. Go. Wait outside if you wish. I am on the point of dismissing the congregation. You may watch them as they leave. All right. You're clever at compromise, Padre. I'm sure we will learn to understand each other. Adios. La misa está terminada. That is all, my children. Vayan con Dios. My son. What is it, Padre? This way. Follow me, both of you. Come quick. Come on, Maria. Yes. In here. You're taking a big chance, Padre. If he finds out, you're in trouble. You have heard of sanctuary, my son, the sanctuary of the church? Yes, of course. Unfortunately, I cannot assure you that sanctuary, but perhaps I can help you in some small way to find your own sanctuary. Thank you, Padre. In a few minutes, when everyone has gone, he will be certain. <coughs> Who is it? Lalakran. One moment. I am informed that you're hiding a man and woman from the congregation. Open this door. Have patience. Now. Here, behind the desk, there is a way out. All right. Go now, both of you, quickly. Yes. The passage opens on an alleyway behind the church. Open now. Hurry, my children. Thank you, Padre. Que vayan con Dios. When we came into the open alleyway, we were on the very edge of the village on a crooked path that ran between the walls and backs of the buildings on one side and the dark, dense mass of the Valle Diablo jungle on the other. But for a moment, we were safe. Bari. What? Back there, in the church, would you really have killed me? Look, I'd hate to do anything to hurt you, but if I have to, I will. Why do you hate me so hate much? Hate you? I don't hate you. Why should I hate you? You're my ace in the hole. I've got nothing against you personally. You just picked the wrong man for a father, that's all. Gringo! Wait, hold it. Barry, don't shoot. It's only a child. Yes, it's only a child, but he knows who we are. And you'll have the whole town out here in two minutes. There's no choice left. Now, come on. Barry, what are you doing? Where are we going? Into the jungle. Into the Via Diablo. All right. All right, Maria. We'll, we'll slow down and take it easier. I don't think he's going to find us now. I think maybe we've got a chance. Can't we stop, Barry? No. No, in ten minutes we, we wouldn't be able to move again. Now the sky's beginning to lighten. It'll be dawn in less than an hour. He can't chase us forever. He's got a revolution on his hands. Barry... It's all been so strange, like a nightmare. 
all mixed up. I hated you at first. Oh, forget it. I didn't know who you were, what you were doing to me. And finally, I began to understand. I... I don't hate you anymore, Barry. Good, Maria. It works out better that way. In fact, I'm afraid I... I like you very much. What? Afraid? Yes. Maria... We'll be out of this before long, and what? Wait. What is it, Barry? Those are dogs. What? Yeah, they're trailing us with dogs. No matter where we go now, they'll find us. Oh, Barry! Come on, Maria. And we ran again down the twisting jungle trail, on and on, knowing while we ran that there was no way out, no way of escape. And then suddenly we burst out into a clearing and stopped in our tracks. For ahead of us, dark and ancient, its stones worn by tropic rains, grown over with lichen and moss, was a Mayan pyramid built by men dead for centuries, lost and forgotten in the Valle Diablo. We broke into a run across the clearing. We are going. Inside, Barry? Oh, why not? What have we got to lose? Nothing at all, Mr. Lady. <gasps> Holy crud. All right, inside, quick, Marie. <laughs> Excellent. Right into the trap, just as I hoped. He's behind us somewhere. At the edge of the clearing. I've been here for some time, you know, waiting for my beaters to drive you out of the brush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, always predict. Mr. O'Grady. One knows precisely what you are going to do before you do it. <laughs> Alec Brown, listen to me. I've got Maria with me. Oh, I recognize her at once. Then listen. Before I let you take me, I'll kill her. Do you understand? That's entirely up to you, Mr. O'Grady. <laughs> First you fire at my voice and miss. Then an empty gun. Embarrassing, isn't it, Mr. O'Grady? Now my fun begins. Come on, Maria, back inside, quick. Well, I'm out of cartridges. All we can do now is run. Run as far and as long as we can. And then what, Barry? You killed me, as you told him you would. You know better. I thought the threat would hold him off, but it didn't. You heard him. Yes. I heard him. It is not a surprise, Barry. My father has hated me for years. I did not come in handy like you hoped. Where are you, Mr. O'Grady? Are you scared now? Running? Maria. Yes. Keep, keep moving as quiet as possible. Uh, maybe you need something to help you run, Mr. O'Grady. He's got a machine pistol. Hurry. I cannot go so quickly. What are you afraid of, Mr. O'Grady? You're not afraid that they are the plantation. 
Is this what bothers you perhaps? It's no use, Barry. It's no use. Maria, Maria, wait. There's a ledge right above us here. I can feel it when I reach up. Broken boulders. Now there's a chance. Now listen to me, Maria. You go on alone. Oh? Make a noise. Talk so that he'll think that we're still together. Do you understand? I'm going to wait for him here. Right up on that ledge. All right, now go on. All right. Go on. But oh, oh be careful. Be very careful. Uh-huh. Barry, what are we going to do? I scrambled up on the ledge and got set. And I felt around in the dark and found a rock as big as a man's head. And then I waited. You're tiring yourself for nothing, Mr. O'Grady. There's only one way out, you know. This way. I raised the rock and waited. He was close now, very close. I listened to his steps trying to judge his position by the sound. You're not being very friendly, Mr. O'Grady, and I feel very warm for you. He was right below me. (laughs) I raised the rock and smashed it down on his head. It's all right, Maria. It's all over. Maria. Two weeks in that stinking jail, and now you drag me out and bring me down here to the harbor. Why, Captain? This way, Senor Agri. All right, so you won the revolution. Now you're the new government. All right, fine. I got nothing against you. My fight with Alecran was personal, you know that. Quite true, Senor Grady, I know that. However, Alecran was one of our leaders. You killed him, the usual sentence is death by a firing squad. I know that, Captain. They but... said we are permitting you to leave the country. The launch is waiting to take you out to the ship. You should consider yourself very fortunate, Senor Grady. Captain, look, there, uh, th- there was a girl, Maria. Alecran's daughter. Where is Maria? I believe you are speaking of my wife, senor. Your wife? You are escaping a death sentence, senor. But I must warn you that if you ever return to the Republic, that sentence will be carried out. Your wife? Maria and I were married yesterday at the Church of Santa Isabel. As a wedding gift to Maria, I gave her your life. Your ship is waiting, Senor Grady. Adios. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you Violent Night by Les Crutchfield, starring William Conrad and Joyce McCluskey. Featured in the cast were Don Diamond, Ben Wright, and Edgar Barrier, with Michael Ann Barrett, Byron Kane, and Richard Beals. Your announcer, George Walsh. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week. (laughs) 
You are standing in a lonely forest clearing. The dawn turned gray by the creeping fog. While standing only yards from you, his eyes filled with his hate for you, is a man who's come to take your life. Unless you first take his. So listen next week when Escape brings you Alexander Dumas' classic story, The Second Shot. Rich in comedy, rich in human interest, rich in novelty. That's Rich, starring Stan Freeberg, Friday nights on CBS Radio. It's the lively, refreshing Stars Address situation comedy called That's Rich, which it certainly is, every Friday night on most of these stations. Just you make a date, tie a little string around your favorite chair so you'll remember to listen, and laugh with That's Rich. Friday nights, too, enjoy a full-hour Arthur Godfrey Digest on the CBS Radio Network. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. on an island in the South Pacific, a fortune within your reach, yet standing between you and freedom, keeping you a captive and a slave, is a giant of a man, and the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Listen now as Escape brings you John Russell's great story, The Bird of Paradise. With his heart full of greed and a hundred pounds in his pocket, Andrew Harbin traveled east through the archipelago into the Solomon Sea. He went questing across many degrees of latitude before he came to the Spice Islands, where at the ancient town of Ternate, he found the shop of a fat Dutch half-caste. There he was shown into a room that flamed with color, as if all the rainbows of the seas had been trapped and graded and hung up for sale. These were the skins of the birds of paradise, the shyest and rarest of all creatures. Dutchman. Yeah? Which is the prize bird of this lot? Ah, all are very scarce. I didn't ask that. I asked which is the scarcest. I will make you a bargain on any of them. Oh, no, you won't. I'll make you a bargain. 
I do not understand. It's not your price to sell I want, but to buy. You have birds for me to buy? Not yet, but I will have. Where do these skins come from? Who knows? From island tribes to the east somewhere? Sea gypsies trade them from coast to coast until they finally arrive near enough to turn out there for me to buy. There'll be no middlemen with me. I'll go direct to the islands. Huh. Maybe you might kill five, six natives before they cut off your head. Uh, nonsense. Also, the sun is very hot today. Now look here, you stupid Dutchman. Please, please, I meant no insult, please. And watch your tongue before I twist it out of your fat mouth. All right. It's your life you risk. Come. I will show you something. Now, in this chest is the rarest bird of all. Show me. Purple and gold. I never saw one like that. Yeah. I call it the imperial bird of paradise. Once a year comes to me six skins... No more. Worth 50 times the price of common ones. 50 times? Never comes more than six skins. From where? Who knows? The natives with which I trade and the wild sea gypsies with which they trade. Nobody knows. But somewhere east is an island. One island where lives the imperial bird of paradise. I'm not looking for fairy tales, Dutchman. Yeah, well, maybe it is only a fairy tale. But you do get a few of these skins, huh? Half dozen a year. No more. Very well, then. Tell me where I can pick up a small cutter. Seaworthy, but cheap. I'm going to find that island. The Solomon Sea is sprinkled with thousands of tiny islands, one very much like another, and all equally wild and uncharted. And very soon after sailing from Ternate, Andrew Harbin could not have told his whereabouts on a map within the dab of his thumb. For three months, he wandered fruitlessly through the sea and touched upon island after island. Then, as he was about to give up, he fell ill with a fever. And when a howling gale smashed his vessel on a reef one night, he was cast ashore, dazed, and scarcely caring where he had landed. When morning came, it wasn't the sun that woke him, but a huge monster of a man with cold blue eyes and a thick red beard. Uh, uh, Are you dead or just playing possum? Uh, uh, I thought so. Where's your boat, mister? Who's here with you? I'm alone. My boat's wrecked. Trying to land it in a storm? What say the kind of a sailor are you? I, uh, I'm not a sailor. Well, what might you be then? A trader. A businessman. That's a lie. There's no white traders among these islands. Never have been. Well, I'm not exactly a trader. I'm looking for something. Maybe you can help me. After I get a little food and rest... See about that when you tell me what you're looking for. I'm looking for an island. 
Oh, you are, eh? Well, you're on an island. My island. Your island? Who are you, anyway? I'm Jim O'Ryan. Late second mate of the schooner Mary Friend wrecked that reef out there December 19th, three years ago. And you, you're nothing but a sneaking trespasser. I know what you're looking for. Oh, no, no, I came in, in peace, O'Ryan. I, I don't want your island. Yes, you do. You're one of them fortune hunters is what you are. I tell you, mister, I've been expecting one of your kind. I've been waiting for you. Waiting? For me? Ah, or some thief like you. <laughs> but you should have brought along a company and a machine gun or two. I managed you think to cut out this little island by your only, the likes of you. Should have broke your neck first off. Why didn't you? Wanted to be sure in my mind just what manner of man you are first. And, sir? You come to destroy this place. The stink of the world is on you, mister. You're evil, and you're going to be treated like evil. I've come too far to be stopped now, O'Ryan. A fight you want, well, then. <laughs> And so the huge Orion took Andrew Harbin, now unconscious, slung him under one arm, and climbed the beach to a little clearing in the jungle beyond. There stood a neat bamboo house, and before it, a girl. She was clothed in one gorgeous robe of purple and gold, made all of birdskins. Hundreds of imperial paradise birdskins. And she herself was even more beautiful than they. Orion, you lied to me. You did not bury them all. <laughs> you told me you buried them, every one. Well, how do you know I didn't dig this lad up again, Lagoma? Who do you think it might be now? The captain? It can't be. No. Captain never could have grown so monstrous thin. Look at this one. Oh. <laughs> He's alive, Orion. <laughs> It's a man. Yeah, what's left? A poor specimen of that. Wouldn't it be best to kill him now, Lagoma? No, no. You know, what's this to bite me? What made you do that, huh? What's come to you? I want him. Don't bury him away in the ground with the others. He's a new white man. I want him to keep. Oh, you do, eh? Well, I had no idea I was bringing a present strike your fancy so close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, you little spitfire. Uh, don't, don't you touch her, Orion. <laughs> oh, look, Nagoma. Your beachcomber's going to be a hero. Lay off. Her. Come on, lad. Give it to me. I'll give it to you. <laughs> now again, get up and try it again. Uh, oh, oh, man, that was good. First fair wallop I've had of the enemy arm for three years. Stop, Orion. Uh, don't spoil him. Uh, don't take him away from me, or I will be very angry. Carry him into the house now before he dies. So, you're awake now, eh? I'm awake. Three days of eating and sleeping's enough. I've got a bit of fever yet. Uh, that'll go. I, I, I want to thank you and Nagama both for your care. Do you now? Well, I, I'd have died otherwise. Ah, 
My real mistake was not cracking your neck off or Nagoma laid eyes on you. I forgot the child had seen no other man but me for years. Now she's taken a notion to you, like a new toy or a, a bit of a poodle dog. You kept me alive. And, and... I'll let you live such as you are so as uh... Nagoma will have her poodle to play with. Even though you come to this lovely Eden of mine to rob it for dirty gain, you thieving buccaneer. I, I'm, I'm an honest trader, all right. I'm not a thief. Oh, maybe Nagoma believes that. Even though I've warned her what you come here for and what kind of a man you are. She's all innocence, that child. Uh, but what is there here to rob you of? <laughs> it's just another island. It's the island you was hunting for, you scum. Sorry I am. I ever traded one of them purple bird skins. Now I might have known it to bring greedy devils like yourself smelling for the place. I had to have knives and tobacco and them sea gypsies would take nothing else. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean the birds of paradise, huh? <laughs> Don't be sly with me, you filthy yeah. rat. And forget about Nagoma, too. If he thinks you're something grand now... She'll know better when she sees you're put to your proper place. What do you mean? There's no gun on this island, Harbin. Whenever you want to kill me, you'll have to try with your hands. And you can try and I can smash your face again. Why should I try? Well, you're not going to like the jobs I set you to. Jobs? Didn't I tell you? Well... There is much to be done by way of public improvement around here. And you'll start in a big pit I've dug clear in a spring of water. Well, you mean it? You're going to keep me here uh, as a slave? Well, you don't think I'd let you go knowing what you do about them birds, do you now? What do I care about your birds? I told you to stop that lion. Now a slave is what you are. Till you prove yourself a better man than me, do you see? You are listening to The Bird of Paradise, tonight's presentation on Escape. Stan Freeberg stars on CBS Radio's Friday night comedy series called That's Rich. Try it on for size and for laughs tomorrow night on most of these same stations. That's rich, you'll say, and you'll be right. And now, Escape and the second act of The Bird of Paradise. Andrew Harbin had traveled far and suffered much to find the island of the imperial bird of paradise. But his pains had just begun. Still weak and feverish, he was taken next day to the edge of a black volcanic cliff, and there he was kicked into a great hole some 12 feet deep and with straight, unscalable sides. After him, Orion threw a wooden spade and a bucket and ordered him to dig for a spring that might lie under the rock. And here, Andrew Harbin toiled and sweated like the slave he had become day after day. And here he lived. At noon, Nagoma would bring his food and lower it in a basket. And then, perched on the bank above him, she'd gaze down at him and talk. Are you feeling better today, Andrew? Mm -hmm. How could I feel better? Kept down here like a bear in a pit. 
Hans, I think you should have never come to this island at all. Mm. Sometimes I wonder what goes on in your head, Nagoma. Not much, I suppose. I know little of the world. Only what Orion has told me. Mm. Uh, I see. But, um... Look, Nagoma. Don't you ever want to get away from here? Get out into the world? I've never been in the world. I was going to Port Moresby. A missionary was taking me, but he was drowned when we wrecked. The island where I was born and this one is all I know. Nagoma, how would you like to go with me? With you? Ah. Oh, I'd like that, Andrew. But Orion says the world isn't nice. He says people are always stealing and lying and fighting. Nobody has any honesty or honor. No, no, no. That's not true. Orion says it is. He says if people knew of us, they'd take our world away. Do you love Orion, Nagama? Huh? You mean like sometimes I comb his beard? <laughs> Maybe. I'd like to comb yours too, Andrew. You have such a pretty yellow beard. All curly. Well, listen, Nagoma. You can't comb the beards of two men. You can only love one man. <sighs> you talk such funny words, Andrew. I know nothing of these things. What use are so many words? Oh, I'll show you what use they are, Nagoma. Huh? Help me get out of this pit some dark night. Oh, no, Andrew. He put you there. Listen... Nagoma, <clears throat> do you know why I came to this island? Orion says it was because you are a thief. No, 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 no. I came here to take you away, Nagoma. I, I came to find you and take you back with me. Me? Why, Andrew? Because I love you. And because you're beautiful. There's no one in the world as beautiful as you, Nagama. Is this true, Andrew? Orion told you I came seeking the bird of paradise, didn't he? Yes. Well, he's right. Except for one thing. What one thing, Andrew? You are the bird of paradise. <sighs> oh, Andrew. I'm so glad you're still alive. Well, my pirating screen, how's the luck down there? Orion, if you've any decency left. Get me out of here. A thief and a spider like you talking of decency. Get to work and find that spring. Ah, by heaven, you're not worth your keep, Harvin. I'm coming down there. You wait till I fix my rope. Hey, you might have let me climb down that rope instead of kicking me into this hole like you did. The rope's for me. 
Ivern, you've done mighty little work down here. There's no spring under this rock, Orion, and you know it. Why, you didn't dig for gold, man, or but... precious stones. You're a fortune hunter, are you not? You're insane. Insane, am I? Because I want to live here in peace. Because Nagoma's more to me than the riches I could have from the birds. All right. Be... All right. Look, Orion, you've got a boat. I saw it. Let me take it and leave here. I've thought of that. And it's a million to one chance that you'd ever be able to find your way back, but I won't risk it. What are you going to do with me, then? <laughs> Arvin, a plucky freebooter like you can handle a shovel brisker than you've been doing. Now dig into it, you lazy skullbunker. No, I won't. You won't, eh? Then maybe you're ready to fight. Is that it, lad? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you hurt him. No, he's not hurt, Nagoma. He needed limbering up his all. I'm coming out now. You promised me, Orion. I promised you what? You said you wouldn't spoil him. Oh, well, now look at him now, Nagoma. He's on his feet again, as good as new. Are you all right, Andrew? I'm all right. See? Now, I've work to do, Nagoma, and you can stay and play with your poodle dog if you like. And you keep away from him, Orion. You teach him to be civil, then. Poor Andrew. Would you like some water? No, thanks. You mustn't think Orion's always so mean. You should have seen how patient he was teaching me to read. He taught you to read? Mm, out of a book he saved from the ship. It's the only one we have. The Bible, eh? No. It's the ship's book. The log. The log? Mm. The log of the merry friend? Of course, it's not very interesting. It's full of numbers and the like. Sure, sure, numbers. Longitude and latitude. Every day... Every day till she was wrecked out there. What, Andrew? Uh, listen, uh, uh, Goma, Goma, I'm a far better educated man than Orion. I, I can teach you many wonderful things he's never heard of. Can you, Andrew? Of, of course. But uh, you'll have to bring the book with you. Well, what good would that do, Andrew? You down there and me up here. Listen to me, Goma. All the things... I have to teach. I must whisper to you with, with my lips against your ear. Uh, do you understand? Are they truly wonderful things, oh, Andrew? Wonderful things, Nagoma. But, but don't you see? I'll have to get out of here first. But how can you get out? The rope. Orion's rope. You can tie it and drop it down and leave it hanging. And then when it's dark, I'll come out and meet you on the beach. Orion would be very angry, Andrew. He'll never know. Uh, tonight, Nagoma, bring the book with you to the beach. I'll meet you there, where Orion's boat is anchored. Uh, all right, Andrew. And uh, maybe I can comb your pretty yellow beard? Oh, yes. Yes, Nagoma. Yes, of course. <laughs> Andrew Harbin had known many women and many different kinds, but Nagoma's almost incredible simplicity was something new and startling. Because of it, however, he regained his freedom, 
And when night came, he climbed up the rope and made his way to the beach, his wooden shovel in hand in case Orion should stumble on them. Nagoma was waiting, as she had promised, and in the moonlight she seemed more than ever like the imperial bird of paradise. He put out his hand and touched her priceless robe where it hung across one shoulder. Andrew, you've come out. Orion will kill you if he finds us. It's worth the risk, Nagama. Oh, I did a very bad thing to listen to you and let you out. I was a bad girl, Andrew. Why did you make me? Nagama, my little wild bird. I must teach you what it is to love. You promised to teach me many wonderful things, Andrew. Yeah. Here, I brought the book, The Log of the Merry Friend. Oh, good. I'll put it in my belt. Ah, yeah. But you were going to teach me from it. There's no time now, Nagoma. Later. Later? When we're at sea, I'm in Orion's boat. You'll come with me. Well, you will, won't you? You want me, Andrew? Why, you know I do. And the birds of paradise? Well, I told you. You're what I came here after. Nagoma! Nagoma! It's Orion. Nagoma! There, he's on the beach there, near his boat. He hasn't seen us. Let's hide, Andrew. Hurry. He's coming this way. Behind that palm there. I'll fix him this time. Not with the shovel, Andrew. No, no. You'll be quiet. I got him. I've won the Goma. I've won. You killed him. No, he isn't dead, but I've got the log. I'll come back and strip this island. I'll take a thousand skins. I'll be rich. There won't be a bird left when I'm through. The log, Andrew. That's what you wanted the log for. It's as good as a map. It's better. It wasn't to teach me wonderful things. What do you need to know? I'm going to be rich. Orion was right. You are only a thief. But I I want you too, Nagoma. Me too. Orion wants only me. He cares for non-riches. Orion's a fool. But we're wasting time. Let's get to the boat and put to sea before he comes around. No, Andrew. You go. I'm staying here. What? You want the skins more than you want me. You lied about coming here just for uh, me. What difference does it make? You better hurry, Andrew. All right, all right. Stay then if that's what you want. Wait. Uh. Before you go, kiss me just once. Kiss you? <laughs> You're an odd girl. Please? Oh, all right. <sighs> but why? Why do you kiss me now, Nagum? Quick now, hurry. Goodbye. Uh, Bye. And so, on Orion's boat, Andrew Harbin made his escape. All that night, he labored hard to keep from wrecking on the innumerable reefs that seemed to protect every island he passed. And he had no time to think about Nagoma and why she had rejected him with their first kiss and their last. But with the coming of the sun next morning, he found out. Yes. And in the months that followed, as he sailed here and there over the sea, trying to find his way back to civilization, he had time to ponder on the unbelievable cunning of even the most innocent of women. Andrew Harbin. Back at last. I thought you were dead. 
I very nearly died, Dutchman. Aha! Uh -huh. You bring your head at least. And the imperial bird of paradise, did you find the island? Almost. I almost found it, Dutchman. Almost? I had the island right here in my belt. Longitude and latitude. And a woman embraced me. Embraced me and robbed it back. What are you saying, Harbin? The ship's log. It was as good as a map. But I'd never find the island again now if I had 50 years to look for it. Yeah, the sun is bad for white men. It makes fairy tales in the head. Yes. This time, Dutchman, I'm afraid you're right. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you The Bird of Paradise by John Russell, specially adapted for radio by John Meston, starring John Daner as Andrew Harbin. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Gene Bates, and Ben Wright. Edgar Barrier was the narrator. Your announcer, George Walsh. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week... You are kneeling in the church of a Caribbean village seeking the sanctuary it might offer, while slowly, walking down the aisle, carefully studying each bowed head, is the brute of a man who has come to kill you. So listen next week when Escape brings you Les Crutchfield's story, Violent Night. <laughs> Don't look back. Look ahead to tomorrow night when CBS Radio presents another Arthur Godfrey Digest. It's the Godfrey Gang on nighttime radio over most of these same stations, taking all their best daytime songs, music, and shenanigans and pasting them together in one Friday night scrapbook of smiles and syncopation. The Arthur Godfrey Digest. Don't miss it tomorrow night at the Star's Address. Weekday evenings, Beulah cooks up comedy on the CBS Radio Network.